The Liz Callaway Show with Nick Summers, featuring Breitbart Talks on Talk 94.5. John Hayward, I've been bragging about you for the last half hour. Good morning. Good morning. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> we were uh, going through your article uh, with everybody. I also pulled, uh, pulled up an older article, not that you wrote, but it's another article about when um, the Hong Kong protests had started back in June, you know, but you are very comprehensively uh, covering that in your uh, article. Tell us, you wrote this article, The State of Independence Around the World on American Independence Day. What inspired you to write this article? Well, I kind of wanted to look at how independence is doing as a concept. It worked out well for the United States, but it's been up and down for everybody else who's tried it since then. Some of the independence movements in the world today are vicious. Some of them are outright terrorists. Some of them aren't, but the ones that are nicer, you know, that maybe have a better idea and a better claim for independence are being crushed by authoritarians. And Hong Kong is a great example of that. The Hong Kong people that protested for democracy, they didn't even want independence. They never said they were going to separate or anything like that. They just wanted wanted more representation. They wanted to directly elect their own administrators. They wanted some some freedoms guaranteed. They wanted their autonomy respected, as China promised that it would. And China responded with an authoritarian, tyrannical crackdown. They just wiped them out. They passed a new law last year, two years ago, that said basically any disagreement with the Communist Party is a seditious crime. And they went out and just annihilated everybody who was talking mm-hmm. about independence. And now they don't even commemorate Tiananmen Square in Hong Kong anymore. They used to have one of the world's biggest memorials services for the victims of Tiananmen. And starting a couple of years ago, that just got wiped out. It's gone. So, I mean, people that are looking for independence in this world today are finding that authoritarian governments are very much against that. And they tend to regard freedom and independence as one and the same. When you say you want freedom, when you want more freedom, more respect, more sovereign rights, an authoritarian state like China, like Russia, all they hear is you're a separatist. That, that's what they'll immediately call you, and then they'll kill you, or they'll take your rights away, or they'll put you in jail. They'll do whatever it takes to shut it down. Because at some level, authoritarians know that freedom leads to independence inevitably. Hmm. You know, there was something else that was major with these protests, John, and that had to do with um, these amendments that, that people were trying to get, not just about the elections. Um, and I remember something about extradition. Um, and so I looked it up and I found uh, the amendments would give the chief executive the authority to decide on a case-by-case basis if a suspected criminal should be extradited to a place with which the city has no formal extradition agreement. Um, and that, um, you know, they were really upset about that because that leader isn't elected, but rather it's picked by a committee. So that had to do with elections and, and it had to do with the rights, the due process rights. Um, and so how did that what what is that actually how can you translate that for us to understand what that would mean and why the, were they willing to risk their lives? Because that's what you do when you're protesting in China. Yeah, that, that extradition law you're talking about, that was the biggest story of a generation in Hong Kong. When that law was proposed by the Hong Kong government, the people that live there said, well, number one, that infringes on our sovereignty. You know, we're not going to stand for that. We have autonomy here as guaranteed when China took us back from the UK, and we're not going to give that up. And then number two, they said, if this law passes, then China can just grab anybody it wants and haul them back to the mainland. Mm-hmm. If you're a Hong Konger and you say something Beijing doesn't like, they throw a bag over your head, they drag you back to the mainland, 
and you disappear into a gulag, and that's it for you. And they, they had very good reasons to fear that that's what would happen if this law was passed. So the protest movement began. It grew in tremendously in size. It captivated the world in 2019 as Hong Kongers bravely demonstrated for their rights, for their democracy, for their autonomy. And the Chinese government responded by just rolling over them. And now they don't have anything of their autonomy left. The, the British, the last British government of, of Hong Kong, uh, the last governor, he'll tell you they, they lied. The Chinese violated every agreement they made with the United Kingdom when they took over Hong Kong. And now look at where they are. And that's, that's a lesson for us, for everybody. You know, it could happen to them. It could happen to you. Did they take any, um, did the British government take any action against China for, for, for violating all these agreements? There really isn't much they can do. They did protest. They, they protested at the time, and they've protested all the way to the current day, and they call the Chinese out diplomatically whenever they can, but they have no enforcement power. There's nothing they can really do, and that, that again, is a lesson to all of us. You know, promises or words are win. Promises are nothing. It's law. Whatever has the force of law and reciprocation is the only thing that a tyrannical government or a tyrannical party is going to respect. If you depend on their promises and their agreements not to abuse the power you give them, you're going to end up on the wrong end of a tragedy sooner or later. There is a lot of question about COVID and when it started. And uh, there's more and more people that in the know, more experts coming out and saying that it was leaked from the lab. In fact, there was something, someone recently, I forget who it was, and he says, I'm going to get a lot of trouble for saying this, but um, I can't help but feel that since COVID is known to have started probably sometime in the summer of 2019, that it was uh, it was actually purposefully used to stop those protests in Hong Kong. I can't help but think that. I feel well, I feel like it was a weapon. It, there's no question it was weaponized to stop the Tiananmen Square observations. That was one of the first things that the Chinese did. After the virus took root around the world, they shut down Tiananmen observations in Hong Kong. And the first year they shut them down, they said, well, we got the coronavirus. You know, you can't go out there and have a big, big uh, event. And then they just later on, they stopped even pretending it was the coronavirus and just said, nope, you're never going to do this right. again. That That's the end of it. And such was the case around the world. The coronavirus was a huge blow mm -hmm. to freedom, to liberty here in the United States. Good God, oh. you know, look what happened to us. Yeah. Look at what we're still dealing with. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's no question authoritarian was on the march all throughout the coronavirus pandemic. The person you were thinking of that just said that they yeah. think it was in a lab, that was the director general of the World Health Organization, yeah. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus. He's the one that said that just recently. And what he basically said was, I can't officially say this, but privately, like in my heart, I'm pretty sure it was the lab. You know, the evidence of lab leak is very compelling and should be looked into. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think at this point, we all know it came out of that laboratory. There's really not that much doubt about it anymore. And, and what's going to happen? Nothing. You know, what are you going to do? There, there's nothing you can do. We can't even disengage from China. We tried to disengage from them. Uh, President Trump had put tariffs on them. Biden is going to roll the tariffs back. I mean, that's just a, that's being negotiated right now, and it's almost certainly going to happen. So, I mean, China will pay no price for what it did. We're speaking with John Hayward of Breitbart. And John, uh, you know, you said something that kind of sent chills down my spine. If it could happen there to them, it could happen here to you. Um, and we are feeling this encroachment of you, uh, the communist tactics being used and people who have who have survived communism, uh, who have escaped communism, have come here time and time again. We had uh, a person that uh, that escaped Cuba running for office here, and she would often tell the story about how her family was persecuted, divided up and destroyed 
by communist Cuba. And um, she has a very passionate story to tell. She appreciates so much of what this country is. And she keeps pointing out those communist tactics. Uh, Do we have enough education across the mainstream America to know what those tactics are? Because they disguise them as social justices and they disguise them as good for us. It's good for you. Hey, let us save you. Let's take away your your liberty because we're going to save you from the big bad virus or save you from this and save you from that. Well, the problem, I think, is that education is one of the battlefields here. The the big grassroots movement that is swelling up now and becoming the big story in American politics for this generation, that began when parents found out what was being done to their kids in school. They had no idea. And then the coronavirus came along, there were lockdowns, and suddenly the parents could see those remote learning classes. They could see what was on Junior's laptop, and they had a heart attack. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. They had no idea what critical race theory was. They had no idea about the transsexual indoctrination, the grooming agenda. This was all just a tremendous shock to them. And when they went to school board meetings last year and said, excuse us, but we just saw this and we're a little disturbed, what happened? They were classified as terrorists. They're investigated by the FBI. The the bureaucracy struck back and slapped them down hard. And they're beginning to realize they're in the fight of their lives. They thought that they could just play by the rules and play within the system and complain. And they thought that all this indoctrination would just be stopped because they stood up and made it clear they weren't okay with it. And instead they were attacked and targeted as terrorists. And now they realize they're going to have to fight to the death to get their kids' education back, metaphorically speaking, hopefully, at the at the ballot box. Mm. So, I mean, I think we're, we're realizing that, as you say, it's education is a big part of it. We're realizing a whole generation has not been well-educated in civics or in anything else, and one of the big battles ahead of us is to save them from that. Yeah, I mean, there is, um, there is now, they're going for the Constitution. I was reading an article in Breitbart News uh, by Pam Key, about an MSNBC guest saying that that we are, quote, slaves to ancient constitution, right? And that's what's causing these um, these uh, atrocities that are are, that are with these mass shootings. And now they're gunning. Well, they've always been. But now they're outwardly gunning for the Constitution in its entirety. You know, it was usually the amendments, you know what I mean? Like, you know, First Amendment, Second Amendment, you know, but now they're just say, hey, the whole the whole thing is a rag. It doesn't apply anymore. That's absolutely correct. If if you listening to this, if everybody that, that's a registered voter in America, if you don't smash the Democratic Party to pieces in this mm. next election, I mean, don't just beat them. I mean, kill them to the point where they're sobbing and wondering how they could have lost so many races. If you don't do that, they're going to take the Bill of Rights away. That's that simple. This election is your fight to keep the Bill of Rights. If you don't smash them utterly, they're going to use every bit of power they have. You can hear them talking about it right now. They're Mm -hmm. going to dismantle the Bill of Rights because it's in their way. They don't like the idea that you have inalienable rights. They want to alienate all of them. And that is it. You know, the Bill of Rights is dead if the Democratic Party doesn't die. It's one or the other. So we know that the intention of the leaders are, you know, is to have this control over the mass of people and control us. But what is the motivation for everyday citizens that agree with this? You know, they buy into it. What are they buying into, I wonder? You know what I mean? Like they're not they're not educated enough to understand that there is this global power or this elite, you know, group that's just looking to disarm us, that's looking to shut us up and make us embarrassed to say anything and make us afraid to lose our job uh, if we don't comply. 
you know, they're saying, well, the government's just trying to keep us safe. What are these people going around with no masks and no jabs? And they're just trying to kill grandmas and grandpas. Like they literally believe that. Like, how does that happen? And why? They respond to emotional appeals. That it's partially education. It's partially a lack of understanding of civics. They don't know how the Constitution or the Bill of Rights really work. They don't really know what's in there. So they, they fall for arguments that if we just get rid of them, then everything will be better and mm-hmm. we can have utopia. But it's also emotionalism. Look at all these panicky emotional appeals made to people. And the thing that you keep hearing over and over again when people are manipulated is that we don't have time to think. Whatever we're trying to do to you right now is so urgent that we can't stop to talk about it. We can't have a debate. You you don't get anything to say about it, you stupid deplorables. This has to happen immediately mm. right now. And it's like a stampede. Everything is a perpetual stampede, like they're trying to stampede you on gun control after a mass shooting. That's everything they do right now. And there are people that will fall for that, especially because people that don't study politics for a living, they don't spend a lot of time following all this, they're just trying to live their lives, you know, do their thing out there in the world. They respond to what the big story in the news is. And they tend to have kind of TV show attention spans. They mm-hmm. hear a big story, they hear some politicians saying, we can fix this, and they say, okay, yeah, okay, do that. Whatever you need, let's do that. They, they tend to fall for that over and over and over again, and they don't look at the history of what actually happens when politicians get power and their fixes don't work. We're speaking with John Hayward of Breitbart Talks. I need to uh, ask you this question because um, th- this is, like, really bugging me. So when you hear, like, someone like Joe Rogan, who is who was totally in the tank for Bernie Sanders, okay, um, who's now saying... Uh, he would never interview Trump on a show, even though he had tons of opportunities to do it. He's refusing to help Trump because he's an ex- existential threat to democracy. But he would love to see Governor DeSantis. He thinks he would make a good president. I mean, that's, that's like all over the map. I'm just wondering, you know, millions of people are listening to that idiot. Um, but I'm just wondering, you know, isn't it Trump's fault that we are now in this whole thing? And I say fault, OK, because that's how they see it. With our eyes wide open, if it weren't for Trump, it wouldn't have been so raw. <laughs> I, I, that's what I, you know. I feel like we had to go through this pain of of Trump and and the deplorables being beaten down and us and us you know getting a victory and then losing it. I feel like almost we have to go through this in order to have some sort of evolution revolution you know i don't want to say revolution because people think of that as violence but i'm saying a movement like none other bigger than the maga movement well, yeah, and I think President Trump played a part in that during his presidency, mm-hmm. and some of it was just him being himself and drawing fire, you know, bringing some yep. of the bureaucracy out of the woodwork. If there's nothing else you learned from the four years of Trump, you learned how huge and powerful the entrenched bureaucracy is and how it can fight back, how it's been weaponized, yes. how the FBI can spread hoaxes and work with the media. I mean, all that stuff should scare the hell out of you, mm-hmm. and you should begin to understand what you're dealing with. Now, as you look for your next candidate, whoever's going to run next, it, it's entirely appropriate to say that President Trump didn't handle those challenges the way you might have hoped. He didn't handle his re-election the way you might have hoped. So you want somebody that has that worldview, that is ready to do that battle, but that's maybe a little more organized and has a track record of success. And that's why a lot of people like Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. there's going to be other candidates. We're going to have a primary. You know, there's going to be plenty of people to yeah. choose from when that, that comes around. But if anybody out there thinking of jumping into that primary, I think that's your goal. You're going to have to, to reach voters mm-hmm. and tell them you know what time it is, but you're also ready to play a smart game. You're ready to set priorities and get stuff done and not be distracted by scandals and media frippery mm-hmm. and all the things that happened during the Trump years. You know, we, we need somebody that can get in there and get things done. 
Okay. I, I agree with you, although I want Trump. Um, and, and I'll tell you this, John. I learned a lot about lightning rods yesterday because we had a major electrical storm and multiple fires when, when buildings were struck. And I learned about lightning rods. They don't attract the lightning, but what they do is when your house is hit, they take the hit straight on and drive it into the ground. That's what Trump was for us. And that's yeah. and that's what we need because they are coming for our constitution. And I I I we need someone who's going to stand there and take that strike. It's 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 scary. It's scary, but I believe in America and I believe we will prevail. Um, and I believe you do too. And, and that's why I love Breitbart News so much because uh, I feel like you're fighting for it every day. And by the way, so do. the listeners did too, John. They really appreciate your talk today. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to hear that. I look forward to everybody that runs in this Republican contest making the case that they're the light, they should be the lightning yes, rods. Let's absolutely. see them all hold their lightning rods up high. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you, John uh, Hayward of Breitbart Talks. We follow you on Twitter for sure. And of course, on Breitbart.com. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.